Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island in the Penobscot Bay of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about the herb Hypericum perforatum, otherwise known as St. John's Wort or St. Joan's Wort. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I have learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. Oh, I've been so excited to talk about Hypericum on this podcast, and I wanted to wait until it was in full bloom, so I'm so excited because today as I was driving to the plant nursery and back again, I was noticing the sides of the roads, the Hypericum is in full bloom and looking glorious, and all in some of the gardens I've let it go wild, it's starting to bloom, and it's just such a lovely wild medicinal weed, and I'm so happy to be able to share it with you. It's uh, so Hypericum perforatum, there's lots of different species of Hypericum, and some you'll actually see at the plant nurseries, but it's really the perforatum species that is known as medicinal. I have seen uh, other herbalists use another type of wild St. John's wort before. And really the trick is, is if your tincture or infused oil that you're making with the flowering tops of the plant turns a deep, dark, rich, blood red color, then it's medicinal. But if it's not imparting any of that red color, then um, it's either the plant that you harvested is not the Hypericum perforatum and probably is not a medicinal species of Hypericum, or 
and I'll get into this a little bit later, but it may have just recently rained and the hypericum um, doesn't have the medicinal constituents as much during or after a rain. It's, I would say, you know, hypericum is one of the most well-known herbs, uh, at least to Americans, as far as in commerce and then as a temperate weed as well. It is a common weed and a medicinal plant and is native to the temperate Eurasia. Uh, but now it pretty much grows wild in all temperate regions of the world, or most. And it grows abundantly where I live. And from what I hear, the more north you get, the more grand the hypericum becomes. It really likes those northern climates. It really likes a nice cold winter. And it tends to produce more of the red oil, that hypericin, that is one of the main medicinal constituents to it in the more northern regions. When I was working in a natural pharmacy in New Hampshire um, over 15 years ago, it was definitely one of our most commonly known and purchased herbs that we sold there. And we sold a lot of it in capsules and standardized extracts. The standardized extracts were uh, really kind of zeroing out the hypericin and concentrating that and measuring it. But then they also were finding that hyperforin, another constituent in hypericum, um, was one that they were really trying to target. So, but for me, like I really think full spectrum of any or most medicinal herbs is going to be best because you get the full picture. You get all of the really, you know, more medicinal constituents, but then you get some of the more modulating constituents along with it. And who are we as humans really to say? We think that we can, and we are able to some degree, you know, zero out certain chemical constituents of an herb and say, this has this effect on our body. And that's where drugs come into play. That is how we make herbs into drugs. But they are so complex plants are so complex and humans are so complex that inevitably i think if we are willing to trust in the inherent wisdom and chaotic nature of the world that we are a part of then we will get much more benefit from the plants that we consume if we consume them in their most whole state instead of trying to break them down and figure out what the medicine is that's in them and how it works on our body. There are a variety of medicinal products that are made with hypericum. There are the capsules and the standardized extracts, like I was talking about, made from the dried plant material. 
and the you know where they and the standardized extract that basically means where they extract a main constituent of a plant and then you know they'll have a capsule that will have maybe some of the ground up plant material in the capsule but then they'll have that concentrated plant constituent say it's hypericin in this case and they'll put it in a specific dosage in each capsule so that if you're taking a standardized extract every capsule is going to be pretty much the same it has a filler which might not be exactly the same in each capsule but then added to that filler is that one plant constituent at a regular dose so it's basically like a soft drug an unregulated soft drug you can also find hypericum as a tincture and the tinctures need to be made um, with the fresh plant material you can find we would sell in the pharmacy there was a product that was a capsule that was filled with infused oil uh, from the hypericum flowers so people could actually ingest the infused oil in a soft gel form which was interesting and you could get just plain dried herb in a capsule that wasn't standardized and you could get just plain infused oil that was uh, available for topical use and that was a nice red colored oil for me personally now i make you know every summer i make my own uh, hypericum tincture and infused oil and that's how i like to use them and we'll get more into that in a bit but I'd like to tell, well, so why do we even want to learn about this plant? Like what benefits to humans does it have to offer, right? That's my probably one of the main reasons why we might really want to get to know this wild, beautiful weed. Um, and it really has a lot of benefits that it offers us. Now, when it first gained popularity, probably in the late 90s, and that's again, that's just from my personal experience. I don't know uh, what the actual statistics are, but it was mostly known as a mild antidepressant, especially for sad, you know, seasonal affective disorder um, or just, you know, mild depressive states. And there's actually some debate out there now as to whether it actually does have antidepressant properties. Um, I think it's more for some people it does, for some people it doesn't. And then, of course, you have to look at the way that you're ingesting it as well. And as I was saying, there's lots of different ways to ingest it, especially if you're walking into a, a herbal pharmacy and able to pick from the plethora that's available to you. Also, as we've come to this plant has come back into popular understanding and use for humans, we are realizing <clears throat> that it has actually some really wonderful antiviral properties to it especially in for viruses in the herpes fam family. 
and even viruses that are as intense as the HIV. It also is very beneficial for our nerves, both physical and emotional. It helps to ease musculoskeletal pain and inflammation. It enhances the functioning of our liver. It heals um, and soothes and relieves sunburns and other skin irritations and inflammations and has a general inflammatory modulating effect on the body. So that's a nice list and I'm gonna get more into each of those in detail. But first I'd like to talk a little bit about the name of this plant. I love plant names. I think that it is a window into the history, the human history, the human relationship to the plant, as well as it tells us some things about the plant. And it tells us some things also about humans. So Hypericum perforatum is the botanical name of the plant. And Hypericum comes is derived from the I believe they're Latin, the Latin words hyper and icon. So hyper meaning above or high, and icon meaning a like a religious um, image or a religious icon. <laughs> and so the hypericum, meaning you know this plant has a very high standing and maybe even higher than that of some religious icons. It also is said that it was hung above um, like pictures or images of St. John the Baptist as a way to protect um, from quote-unquote evil energies or sources. So it was really seen as a very protective plant historically and was maybe even more protective than the saints themselves. And they're definitely older than the saints themselves and the relationship longer standing. So then we have the name St. John's Wort, and that is because the plant is named after St. John the Baptist and, or St. John, yeah, Baptiste. And I honestly, I don't know a lot about St. John, but I know that St. John's Day is what is also considered summer solstice. And from my understanding, it was, you know, back when Christianity was really turning people away from the pagan gods and goddesses and rituals and holidays and turning them toward Christian saints and Christian holidays. They were taking a lot of important symbols and goddesses and the holidays, and they were just kind of shifting them a little bit. 
So it was easier. It was an easier way to turn cultures of people um, to a new dogma, a new religion. And so by taking the hypericum, which is a plant that blooms at summer solstice and was in a, I believe, a, an important aspect of ancient summer solstice rituals and traditions. It became the herb of St. John and St. John's Day and was so dubbed that. And so I think that, that you know, I honestly don't know what the common name, I wonder what the common name of St. John's Wort was before it was St. John's Wort. But Susan Weed has dubbed it St. Joan's Wort, and I love that. Um, I think it's great to have some more female names of that are attributed to plants and female Hera's and St. Joan is an interesting one because the Hypericum has such a relationship with the sun and with burns and burning. Not only does it help to heal or soothe and restore skin that has been burned, but it also has this um, ability to make us more sensitive to the sun and to burn more easily when taken in certain ways. So I find that really, and so of course we know St. Joan knows a lot more about burning than St. John ever did. And so um, some people just call it St. Jay's wort. I I like St. Joan's wort, but I find myself mostly calling it hypericum because I think that's a, a really beautiful word. This is a plant that is delicate, I would say, and it has some, you know, thin stems that grow up. Um, they can grow to be relatively tall, maybe you know, knee height or even higher of a standard adult. Maybe that's three feet. Um, The flowers are this beautiful, bright yellow. And there's a whole bunch, a whole bouquet of tiny flowers all along the top of the plant. And below that is the stem, which at the base of the stem, if it's an older perennial, can be a bit woody. And the, f- the leaves themselves are also quite small and radiate from the stem in a four-way direction, so it kind of looks like a cross, which is another reason, I guess, why they named it after St. John. The, the perforatums, Hypericum perforatum, so the species perforatum refers to what looks like little perforations on the leaf. If you were to take the leaf and hold it up to some light and look at the leaf, you can see the light shining through in what looks like pinholes, but they're actually uh, oil glands in the leaf that hold this red oil. 
So that's the perfect way to identify this species of Hypericum. It's the only one that has these little perforations in the leaf. Or they're not perforations, but they look like perforations. There's also some dots on the flower itself, some like kind of dark red lines and spots on the flowers and the flower buds. And that could also be the, what the perforatum is referring to as well, but definitely the leaf. It's a relatively short-lived perennial, but I have seen it live for quite a while. Um, I've been taking care of some gardens that have a beautiful stand of Hypericum, and these plants have been going since I've been working there for six years. Um, but I would say often, like if you have a big stand of Hypericum, it li likely is going to be shifting in time. So I feel like the Hypericum might live for three or four years and then can kind of move around and move on. So it's really important to allow it to go to seed after you harvest it. <clears throat> so you don't want to harvest all of the flowers because you want a majority of the flowers to produce seed heads so that more plants can bloom. And I find that my experience is, is that the first year plants don't really ever bloom. They just are kind of these like wimpy little plants that are pretty low to the ground and spindly and don't really look like much. And then in the second year, they're just a small plant that maybe bloom a little bit. And then the third year, you know, they just get bigger and more brilliant and more stems coming up from a base. But they don't, you know, they don't take up each individual plant doesn't take up a lot of space. It's not super pushy. It likes, it doesn't really like to have to fight for its space. So if it's living somewhere where there are a lot of bigger, more invasive and encroaching plants, then it will kind of drop out of the picture and let those plants have their day in the sun. It likes to grow in sunny places. Again, it's an herb of the sun, so it really likes that hot, sunny locations along roadsides, in fields and meadows, especially fields that aren't mown every year or on the edges of fields or pastures where the pasture animals won't eat the hypericum unless it's necessary, unless that's all they have left. Um, beaches along the edges of beaches, I see, see it growing quite a bit and in gardens as a garden weed. Hot and dry, it likes it, but then it also likes it when we have nice cold winters with a lot of snow to protect it over the winter. And it prefers zones, uh, planting zones three to six is its range. So, I, you know, when I see it growing in gardens in that first year, when it's just the little spindly plant, it's a habit of mine. And often then the stem will be red and the leaves 
will be still those small round leaves and they, they will have the perforations, but it will just kind of be kind of grow along the ground and not necessarily have a lot of strength to stand up yet. And then as the years progress, as I was saying, it gets bigger and hardier and, you know, the base of the stems get woodier and more able to stand on their own and erect. And if I ever see them growing in a garden, I will leave them there because honestly, wherever they grow, they are just so beautiful and they really provide a nice accent to the garden. And I've never experienced, you know, a garden being totally overrun by hypericum. It just doesn't really happen. And it's, you know, they're quite easy if you feel like you're being overrun by hypericum to harvest the whole plant to pull the whole plant out and then you know it's not one of these that will come right back like dandelion or burdock once you pull it it's gone so it is a little sensitive in that way so when I do harvest it I don't do that (laughs) and you know the medicinal parts of the plant are basically the flowering tops so a lot of people will harvest the top third of a plant or maybe a third of the plant they will harvest the top third of because again you want to make sure that you leave enough flowers and flower buds to produce seeds for every plant so that every plant can spread more generations to come my preference in because I live somewhere where it grows relatively abundantly is to just harvest the flowers. You know, if I really didn't have enough plant material and I really needed to make a tincture, then I would use the leaves and the flowers. But I find that the really dark, dark red oil is that is released into tinctures and infused oils comes from the flowers themselves. So I will go out and I will just hand pluck the actual flowers and flower buds from the top of the plant, leaving, you know, it's a plant where not the whole top blooms all at once. It kind of blooms in stages. And if every day you just go out and harvest the flowers that are blooming and maybe a couple buds, then you can go out every day and keep harvesting and it will keep blooming. And you can have a jar that you harvest into because you really only want to make medicine from the fresh plant material, uh, which I will get into in a, in a little bit, but you can, you know, harvest the amount that you can get in that one day from the flowers directly into a jar and then cover them with either vodka or infused oil, hundred proof vodka or infused oil, depending on if you're making the tincture or the oil, and then go back the next day and add to it, add your flowers to it, and if you need to, top it up, top off the oil or the or the hundred proof vodka, so it's covering those flowers, and keep doing that every day, and you'll end up with quite a bit, or at least plenty. Then that you know, I did have a client, a garden client, who was like, ah, just I don't want any flowers. On this property, they really just wanted blueberries and ferns and junipers. And, you know, 
here I am doing my typical, well, I'll just leave the hypericum. <laughs> I'll just let that grow because I love it so much. And they weren't quite a fan of that. So when the plant did end up blooming and they were like, what is this? There's flowers in my garden. I was able to harvest again the whole plant um, and then bring it home. And so I did make medicine with that, the majority of that plant, the leaves and the flowers. and But that's not what I would normally do unless, you know, someone's already going to be eradicating it from their yard or their meadow or field. Then you can work with the whole plant. Now, there's livestock issues with hypericum. I don't keep livestock. I'm not 100% sure, but I remember when I was working in the pharmacy, we would warn people that, you know, hypericum can cause photosensitivity, which basically means you become more likely to burn when you are exposed to sunlight and you burn faster. And I know that there are antibiotics that definitely cause this um, to happen as a side effect. So I think it's kind of in our mind. It's like a somewhat quote unquote normal side effect if you're taking a drug. And again, that if you have turned hypericum into a drug by drying the herb and putting it in capsules and taking it that way, or making these standardized extracts from dried plant material, then that seems to be more the situations that people experience the side effect. But I have taken lots of hypericum in tincture and infused oil and have never had photosensitivity. So the thought is, is that once you dry the plant, it can really have this effect. And once you start making it more drug-like or concentrating the hypericin and turning it into more of a drug, then it can really cause the photosensitivity. And when we were in the pharmacy, I remember being told, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but that we first realized that the hypericum um, caused pho photosensitivity because the sheep were eating it and the sheep were skin, you know, the freshly shorn sheep uh, skin was very sensitive to the sun and they were start to burn. And I think that this also is the case for horses and possibly even cattle and cows. So it's a weed that is not one that people really want growing in their fields with their livestock. So especially in California, where cattle rearing is relatively big business, they were, they really consider hypericum a very invasive weed. And I've heard you can't even buy hypericum seeds to spread in California because it's considered to be so invasive and horrible. And they actually imported in quite a while ago a beetle that's specific to hypericum. It's a little bronzy, metallic-y looking beetle, and it actually eats the flower buds and doesn't allow the plant to seed and to help to reduce the populations of the hypericum to protect 
the cattle. Now, interestingly enough, I just heard um, someone was talking about, Susan Weed was talking actually about on her recent podcast about how it would be one of the last things that cattle would eat and that in the fields, if you were to eat it, that it could cause uh, abortions for livestock as well, which again is not what your cattle rearers are going to want. And, but it's interesting because if they are in an overly grazed field and the hypericum's the last thing to be eaten, and that's what the cattle eat then when they've basically run out of food and then it is kind of like could cause abortions to the cattle and population control which is very interesting if they already eat it. Although I'm not aware of it causing abortions in humans. That's nothing that I've ever heard of. So that's specifically to cattle. And that is something I've heard third, third hand, but an interesting thought, kind of nature's way of controlling population of, you know, overgrazing animals. Another way that we have noticed the hypericum causing a lot of photosensitivity is, you know, it's a remarkable antiviral, super effective. And so they, the, they, the, the infamous, they, uh, the pharmaceutical companies were testing hypericin, the extract from hypericum as a antiviral for HIV. And it was really showing great headway and made it through the different trials and finally got to the human trials with this drug. But uh, the human trials were a failure because the humans became so photosensitive to during ta- while taking the drug that they couldn't even be sit near a sunny window without getting a really bad sunburn. So they had to scratch scratch it and they never made the drug because the side effect was too deleterious, which I find to be really interesting. Now, the irony behind this is that the hypericum-infused oil is actually really healthy for skin that has had a lot of sun exposure or that has been burned or is going to be burned. It's very protective of the skin. It can be used as a sunblock instead of regular sunblock. You can, you know, rub hypericum infused oil on your skin and it will protect you from getting burnt, being burned. People who go for radiation Uh, treatments can apply the hypericum oil and it can help to protect the skin from being burned by radiation. So again, really kind of this really interesting dichotomy, plus it just being an herb of the sun and needing to be harvested on really hot, sunny, dry days is when the medicine is the strongest in the plant and the most available in the plant. Because again, it's these, these oils in the plant, these red oils. And after rain, it's almost like the rain. I don't know if it, 
really don't know exactly how it works, if it kind of washes the oils off of the plant, or if the plant is only really producing the oils in during the hot sunny days. And if it's raining or has recently rained, it's not going to be protest, pro, producing these oils because my theory is that these oils protect the plant from the sun itself. Not only does it protect us, but it also protects the plant from the oxidative stress of the sun. Now, there's lots of other amazing benefits that Hypericum has to offer us. And I'm going to get into that and how to make a couple simple medicinal remedies with the Hypericum in just a moment. So stay tuned and we'll get right into it. is really well known to support the nerves and the nervous system. Not only is it a mild antidepressant for some people, but it also can help physically heal, restore, rejuvenate nerve, actual nerves and nerve damage and pain in the nerves, both applied topically and taken internally. So something I think of, we talked about it being a great antiviral, especially for the herpes family of viruses. And now we're talking about its affinity for the nerves themselves. Can you think of a herpes family virus that affects the nerves of the body? And if you can, then this is the oil for that problem. Shingles, that's right. And shingles seems to be more common late as of late. Maybe I'm wrong in that, but this is the herb to really help you get past shingles. Applying it topically to the pain taking it internally. This herb is pretty mild and can be taken in regular doses uh, quite safely. And again, applied topically to any places where there is nerve pain or nerve damage. Now I say that it's quite safe. And I would say that the main side effect that is known about hypericum is that it's liver enhancing. And it actually enhances the liver so well, it helps the liver process things a lot faster than normal and effectively. And so if people are on medications that are meant to be processed in a certain amount of time by the liver, 
And the dosage of the medication is based on that standard processing time. That once we start taking hypericum, that processing time increases and the drug is in our body not as long as expected. And that could leave gaps in between dosing. And so it's just something to be aware of. If you are taking a drug or something that the liver processes and your dosage is very specific and time-based based on how quickly your body processes and eliminates the drug, then you might have to do some uh Check checks on that or change your dosage if you're going to be ingesting hypericum on a daily or regular basis. And that's something to work out with your physician. There are some drugs that it might not be worth, like if you just had a liver transplant or not even a liver transplant, but any sort of organ transplant and you're on anti-rejection drugs. That's a drug that you want to, to remain in your system um, for the allotted time, absolutely. And so then in that case, hypericum might not be the plant for you. Another excellent benefit of the hypericum is that it's really beneficial for our musculoskeletal body. If you have a lot of pain in your muscles and aches in your joints and you feel like that pain might even go deep into your bones, then hypericum is the herb for you. If you work out, if you garden a lot, if you do things where you feel like you're sore at the end of the day, like your muscles are tired, then they're a little achy and you sit down and you kind of groan when you sit down or you groan when you stand up or you just already know that you're going to be hurting puppy tomorrow because of the your extra exercise that you did today, then it's really nice to take some hypericum tincture internally before going to bed or in the moment, maybe even have a bottle next to your chair where you wind down at the end of the day and just have some. You can also rub it is an infused oil onto an area where you might have a muscle cramp or muscle spasms or really trying to heal and a certain aspect of your body and you're in a bit of pain. I know when I injured my knee, hypericum oil was one thing that I was applying on a regular basis and it, I think that it did help. So that's, and then if you are like a marathon runner, my understanding is that the hypericum tincture made from the fresh plant material can help prevent lactic um, acid buildup in the muscles. And that is, you know, what kind of makes athletes sore or tired. And so to help keep that flushing, and I wonder if it's just that it helps the liver process it faster. I'm not sure. But the hypericum can be helpful um, and I've heard of marathon runners even putting drops into their water bottle of hypericum tincture and running with that and that they find it helpful, even if it's just for training. 
And, you know, we've talked about it helping to, to ease um, hot skin, inflamed skin, sunburns. We've talked about it easing pain in the joints and the muscles and stiffness. We've talked about it easing nerve pain itself. And so all of those have quite a bit of inflammation involved in them. And so hypericum is beneficial um, because it helps to modulate our inflammatory response and make it and to reduce the inflammation in in times where that is needed for proper healing. Granted, a little bit of inflammation is really important in our healing process. So we don't necessarily want to cut out all the inflammation, but we also want to live happy, comfortable lives. And as most of us know, inflammation is really at the base root of a lot, a lot, a lot of discord and health in America today. So that's how I like to work with the Hypericum. I invite you to go and check it out. See if you have any growing around you. Look at a plant ID book. Look for bright yellow flowers in sunny places. Small, little, delicate yellow flowers. Check for those what seem to be pinholes in the leaves, even though they are oil glands. And then if you look closely at the flower, you'll see these dark red streaks and spots. Take those flower buds and smush them up in your finger. And ideally, you're going to see like a blood red, almost ink coming out of those flowers of the St. John's wort, St. Jones wort or Hypericum, all the same plant. It just has such a lovely scent and smell, and it's just magical when you make the tincture. So as I was saying, I personally like to make my remedies with just the flowers and some of the flower buds, the flowers that opened that day, sometimes spent flowers if I'm not, uh, if I missed a day or two, and then some buds. And I put all of that in a jar, usually a relatively small jar. And then I cover it, fill the jar up, cover the plant material with 100 proof vodka. And then I let it sit for about six weeks. But you don't have to let it sit that long because you will notice that if you are looking at the tincture as you do this, it's like a beautiful, magical, magic show, basically, in that the Hypericum turns the vodka, the 100 proof vodka that you're making tinctures with, bright red within 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, within that time frame, you can see it happening, which is really beautiful. And it takes it a few days for the infused oil. I find. But same process. Take small amounts of the flowers from each plant and fill a jar, lightly packed, and then cover with the menstruum so that there is no plant material touching any airspace. And put a lid on it and put it in a cool, dark place and forget about it for six weeks and come back to it and 
check it out and see what you have. So I hope you're able to spread some hypericum seeds around this fall or late summer and that you're able to make a remedy or two of the hypericum. You know, I say she's not super, like I was saying before, she's not super pushy or going to overtake a space and she won't even, she's a little shy. She might not even be assertive towards you in the wild, but I think that even for her shyness, she's also quite receptive. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate seeing that people are listening to the show and I hope that you are enjoying it. If you would like Come check us out online, soledagoherbschool.com. And you can find me on Instagram, School. I hope you find some beautiful hypericum and befriend it and make a lovely remedy with it and watch the alchemy and the magic happen of that red, red medicine. Until next time, be well. Let intuition guide you and have fun with herbs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.